Hello and welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the consecration to St. Joseph. My name is Father Adam Potter. Today is day seven. We will continue our journey with Father Calloway's book, Consecration to St. Joseph, by today looking at Mary's role in the life of the Christian and considering how St. Joseph is the most Marian of all of the saints. Before we dive in, I'd like to make a comment about the structure of the podcast. I guess maybe I should have done this at the very beginning, and I think I did mention it, but to say it again, we, we're doing a lot of prayers at the at the beginning before we get in, and then closing with the litany, and I guess I just wanted to say that these prayers are really important. Besides just the maybe reflections or content of the readings, that these prayers help us to grow in fostering a love and devotion to St. Joseph. It's been said that the longest journey in the whole world is the 12-inch journey from our head to our hearts, right? That is one thing to know it, but it's another thing to let these truths sink into our hearts. And so that's what with opening up to prayer and even the repetition of some of these prayers can really do in a a masterful way. So with that said, um, let's dive in. This will be our last day of praying the prayer of the Holy Spirit. And tomorrow we'll be starting week two, where we'll have a hymn to St. Joseph that dates all the way back to the 1700s. Don't worry, I won't be singing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle on them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. The Veni Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit, send down those beams which sweetly flow in silent streams from thy bright throne above. O come, thou Father of the poor, O come, thou source of all our store, come, fill our hearts with love. O thou of comforters the best, O thou the soul's delightful guest, the pilgrim's sweet relief. Rest art thou in our toil most sweet, refreshment in the noonday heat, in solace in our grief. O blessed light of life thou art, fill with thy light the inmost heart of those who hope in thee. Without thy Godhead, nothing can have any price or worth in man. Nothing can harmless be. Lord, wash our sinful stains away. Refresh from heaven our barren clay. Our wounds and bruises heal. To thy sweet yoke our stiff necks bow. Warm with thy fire our hearts of snow. Our wandering feet recall. Grant to thy faithful, dearest Lord, whose only hope is thy sure word, the sevenfold gifts of grace. Grant us in life thy grace that we in peace may die and ever be, in joy before thy face. Amen. The prayer to St. Joseph, patron of chaste souls. St. Joseph, father and guardian of virgins, into whose faithful keeping were entrusted innocence itself, Christ Jesus and Mary, the virgin of virgins, I pray and beseech thee through Jesus and Mary, those pledges so dear to thee, to keep me from all uncleanness, and to grant that my mind may be untainted, my heart pure, and my body chaste. Help me always to serve Jesus and Mary in perfect chastity. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, well, uh, glad to be with you again for this day of, of day seven, where we make a bit of a transition. We've come to this conclusion of these four invocations of mercy from the Blessed Trinity. And so we move then to this litany of St. Joseph, starting first with Mary, though. We pray, Holy Mary, pray for us. And I wanted to start, first of all, just with this idea of why do I need Mary or any of the saints to pray for me? Uh, why pray to the saints? Why can't I just go straight to God? And maybe you've heard plenty of these explanations. This is apologetics 101, right? But maybe you haven't. And for that, I'll just give you my my two cents, what's been helpful for for me. First of all, we ask the saints, literally saints are the holy ones in heaven to pray for us, just as we would ask the holy ones here on earth to pray for us. Right, we don't hesitate in asking people around us. We have prayer chains, email chains, different text chains of asking people to pray for this intention or this person who's struggling. We don't hesitate to do that. Why? We might say, because they're alive and God listens to their prayers. Well, then the question is, do we forget that those who have passed from this world to the next in God's grace are not dead and gone, but more alive than we are here standing one to another? God is the God of the living, not the dead, says Mark 12, 27. In um, the book of James, there's also this great reference to this idea of God doesn't just hear the, the prayers of everyone equally, though. He hears the prayers of the just in a more elevated way. In the letter to James, it says, Therefore, pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effects. So if the prayer of the righteous one is more powerful, then how much more powerful is the prayer of Mary in heaven? So that's the first reason, right? That the saints are alive and we shouldn't hesitate to be able to go to them just like we would go to um, people in our family or friends in our faith community. The second reason is this, that in the economy of, in the economy of salvation, the way that God interacts with his people, we see that God is never outdone in creativity right? In response to, why can't I just go straight to God? In a sense, the answer is because God doesn't just go straight to us. Look at salvation history. Read the, the Bible, especially through the Old Testament. We see God is always working through nature, through these different events, and through these different people, patriarchs, prophets, to be able to speak to his people on his behalf. Um, so, we should see that, that, that God's never outdone in creativity. It's not just this me and God, this direct, um, this direct way of relating. I was thinking about this for an example. This is an anecdote, right? Loosely um, corresponding, but in coming to talk to many seminarians who become priests, a lot of them will talk about this encounter that they had with a fundamentalist or a Baptist who challenged them on their faith whenever they were in middle school and high school, and it caused them to need to go to the scriptures to be able to defend, why do I believe this as a Catholic? And this kind of sparked this realization of, oh, it's all true. <laughs> and I'm now willing to give my life to it. And so uh, it's there's a joke in seminary that Baptists are some of the best priestly vocation directors. Now, it's like, did God call these men to serve him as priests? Yes. But did he work through these other 
good faith-seeking Christians to be able to stir up within them this realization of what God was calling them to? Yes. And it's in this line that I think we just see we should not have then any hesitation and not just going straight back to God, but even seeing in a creative way the different means that God gives us to approach him that doesn't limit us, but actually can expand the fullness of our loving connection and devotion to God. So with that said, why Mary? Why is she special? On on the one hand, fundamentally, she's the model disciple. Her whole life is this, yes, it's a fiat to God's will, starting from Of course, the Annunciation, where God comes to her, not directly, but through an angel, Gabriel, saying, you will conceive and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. And she, with all of the obstacles, everything that lay before her, she says, fiat, not my will, but thy will be done. And this isn't just a one and done. It's her whole life that is one great yes to God's plan for salvation. I'm thinking of Luke um, one twenty-seven, where she goes and visits Elizabeth and Elizabeth is able to say, blessed is she who believed that the promises made her by the Lord would be fulfilled. So Mary, deep within her heart is this incredible trust in, in God's plan for that salvation. Not only is she a model disciple, but she's the queen mother. What does that mean? Well, in biblical times, we have to understand that the queen was not always, it was usually not, the wife of the king. Why? Because kings in biblical times usually had not just one, but tens of maybe even hundreds of wives. See Solomon, right? And so to be able to, for a king, to question who is it that I can really trust in my kingdom to be able to have this position of honor, he would know that he could go to his mother to be able to trust her. And so we see that, for example, in 2 Kings, King Solomon had his queen mother, Bathsheba, as the queen of all of Israel at this time. And this is Israel at its peak, right? In all of its glory. And there's this great scene in the second book of Kings where the people of Israel need to speak to the king. And they ask Bathsheba to speak on their behalf. And so she comes into this, into the royal throne room before her son, the king. Now, this is some, something that no one in the kingdom could do without explicit permission and an invitation for the king. But she comes in and Solomon gets up and he says, bring the chair before me for her. And she is given this throne right before him. And he's able to say, speak, mother. For whatever you ask, I will do. And it's in this, right, that if Solomon can do that for his queen mother, then what, Jesus, king of the universe, what is it that he will not refuse to his queen mother, Mary? And in that same line of reasoning from the, from the previous argument that the saints who are, are in heaven aren't dead but are alive, then Mary is alive and ready for us, her children, to ask her to intercede on our behalf and to bring that to the king. And there's nothing that he will refuse her. Then finally with Mary, we need to appreciate that she's your mother. 
She's your mother. Do you realize this? Do I realize this is maybe the better question. I've heard it enough. But it's in John chapter 19, verse 27, where Jesus is on the cross. And in his last dying breaths, he says to the beloved disciple, Behold your mother. And then to his mother, Mary, who's standing there, says, Behold your son. And it's amazing because in John's account, the beloved disciple is not explicitly named. We know him as John, but he's left kind of anonymous as the beloved disciple. And so why? Is John just being humble? Probably, but there's also a, um, a specific rhetorical device here. An invitation to see yourself and myself as beloved disciples, disciples whom Jesus loves. And so to place ourselves at the foot of the cross and to be able to hear Jesus saying to you and to me, behold your mother, behold. And John's response is amazing because it says that from that hour, he took her into his home. He didn't think about it. He didn't ponder it, didn't pray on it. (laughs) I'm going to pray on it. Um, He didn't ask for a second opinion. That hour, he took her into his home. This is the response of a beloved disciple, and this is what you and I are meant to do too. What does that have to do with St. Joseph? Everything. Because out of all of the saints who have had great love and great devotion to Mary, taking her into their hearts, into their homes, Joseph is the greatest of all of the saints. He's the one who, even before John was given the invitation to behold your mother, Joseph was the one who already had taken Mary into his home and into his heart. I was thinking about this just in terms of their relationship as being husband and wife. And it's this amazing thing that that love that they were able to share for one another knows no bounds to the depths of the intimacy that they were able to experience. And here I'm not even speaking about a physical intimacy because we understand that They both protected one another's chastity, Mary, and even many, um, many writers will talk about Joseph even being a virgin himself. More on that later. But in this idea of their love, their intimacy was not expressed physically, but spiritually, emotionally in this shared life. And I appreciate this, right? In talking to many different married couples who have come through highs and lows, difficulties, setbacks, different obstacles. Oh yeah, and then children come on the scene and your whole life is thrown upside down. And it's amazing to see what brings them together in a way that the strength of their love is not necessarily described in a romantic love, but in a friendship love. Do you know that out of the four loves, Um, for these different words that Greeks had for love. There's romantic, there's friendship, there's affection, um, and then there's agape. The Greeks talked about friendship love as being the greatest of these other four loves. Christianity kind of turned that upside down with agape love, agape love seen on the cross, but it's something for me to ponder, and it's something for all of us to ponder, this friendship love as being a great love, even the greatest, because it's not a given. It's not something that we stumble into. It's something that's worked at and fostered through choosing the good of the other and choosing to walk with them through highs and lows. And that it's this reality that Mary and Joseph could have said about one another, they're my best friend. 
as many married couples beautifully say about one another. And could we see Joseph saying that about Mary or Mary saying that about Joseph? Out of all the things that can bring married couples close together, there are a lot of things out there in the world that can bring couples close together. Uh, It is a love of the Lord that most closely binds a husband and a wife. And considering Mary and Joseph in perfect chastity towards one another, have in their gaze a love for one another that's directed to Jesus. This would have brought them infinitely close to one another in a way that their love is perfectly ordered towards Jesus. And to be able to share that love that they have for their son with one another, oh, the ways that their hearts would have been bound to one another. And so as we pray, Holy Mary, pray for us. We can even appreciate St. Joseph as being this really important guide to bringing us closer to the heart of Mary, whose sole role is to bring us to her son, Jesus. With that said, let's pray this beautiful litany now, um, invoking uh, the Holy Trinity, invoking Mary, the greatest of all the saints, and then St. Joseph, the greatest of all Marian saints and the greatest of saints following Mary. The Litany of St. Joseph, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Noble offspring of David, pray for us. Light of patriarchs, pray for us. Spouse of the Mother of God, pray for us. Chaste guardian of the Virgin, pray for us. Foster father of the Son of God, pray for us. Zealous defender of Christ, pray for us. Head of the Holy Family, pray for us. Joseph most just, pray for us. Joseph most just, pray for us. Joseph most chaste, pray for us. Joseph most prudent, pray for us. Joseph, most courageous, pray for us. Joseph, most obedient, pray for us. Joseph, most faithful, pray for us. Mirror of patience, pray for us. Lover of poverty, pray for us. Model of workmen, pray for us. Glory of domestic life, pray for us. Guardian of virgins, pray for us. Pillar of families, pray for us. Comfort of the afflicted, pray for us. Hope of the sick, pray for us. Patron of the dying, pray for us. Terror of demons, pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church, pray for us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. He has made him Lord of his household and prince over all his possessions. 
Let us pray. O God, who in your loving providence chose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of your most holy mother, grant us the favor of having him for our intercessor in heaven, whom on earth we venerate as our protector, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Through the intercession of St. Joseph, our blessed Mother Mary, and all the saints and all the angels, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a gift, what a joy to be with you. Um, Day seven, we have completed our first week of this consecration. Um, And we're moving in just a beautiful way. Hopefully this has been edifying to you, beneficial, being able to go deeper into appreciating this most chaste heart of St. Joseph and coming to uh, get even closer to the God of the universe. So if you enjoy this, I invite you to please uh, like it, subscribe it, rate it, share it, um, and all those other good things. If you're interested in learning more about Tribones Ministries or supporting us financially, we'd be most grateful. Check out our website at drybonespgh.org. Let's continue to pray for one another on this journey. Know that I'm praying for you and look forward to being with you tomorrow. God bless you. And St. Joseph, pray for us.